Welcome to the Real Estate Investing Club. This is the place everyday real estate investors gather to share their best stories, biggest insights, and favorite tactics to grow a portfolio of cash-flowing properties in today's market. Here's your host, Gabe Peterson. All right, we are back with another episode of the Real Estate Investing Club. Today we have Andre Stewart with us from InvestFAR. Andre is an expert at remote investing, which is one of my favorite topics. So I am su- super excited <laughs> to have him here. Andre, thank you very much for hopping on the show. Thank you for having me on. I'm excited, Gabe. Absolutely. Um, I told you before we got on, we like to start with stories. We like to hear how people got to where they are today. So uh, why don't you take us back to the beginning? How'd you get started in real estate in the first place? I mean, I think it was back in the 2008 recession. I just got out of working in entertainment and um, a friend of mine worked at Wachovia Bank and he was telling me this is a great opportunity to get into banking because he was making a lot of money. So I was like, you know what? Entertainment is slowing down. So then I just made the pivot because what I was working on, it wasn't working anymore because the economy was drying up. So nobody was really interested in, you know, taking on certain projects. So um, I got into banking and while I was working in banking, I just, you know, worked with mortgage brokers and different people trying to get mortgage loans for buying properties and things like that. And it just kind of intrigued me. The people that were coming in were making a lot of money. So I was like, well, you know, what are they doing? And so um, I just, you know, started taking a a liking to real estate because if someone's doing something and they're making a lot of money at it, I want to know what they're doing so I can try to do the same thing. So kind of started from there. And then I moved to L.A. Um, after maybe about three or four years working in banking. I ended up transitioning into a business banking role. Um, at Wells Fargo in Los Angeles. And so the cost of living is a lot higher. So then you got to figure out how to bring in multiple income streams. And so I went back to real estate again, and that's when I took a deeper dive into uh, learning about real estate. Nice, man. I love it. Um, and so you said you got into banking in 2008? Isn't that yeah, right, right in December. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's like the month that I got in, everything just went went south. It was literally the same month. I got in, I think I started like December 1st and then January was like crazy. (laughs) Talk about timing, man. (laughs) I mean, but it was a great time to get into it because I was focused. I was paying attention. I learned so much more about the economy during that time frame. So like what's coming up right now, I'm super prepared for it. I love it. Um, Yeah. And I definitely want to talk about that. Uh, What were you doing on the entertainment side? I was working. I was I was a model. And then I was doing some commercial acting. So I was kind oh, of doing nice. both of those at the same time. Cool, cool. Perfect segue into real estate, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I was awesome. an expert at that time, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you went through the 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 roughest patch, at least that, you know, I've ever been alive for um, when it comes to real estate. You know, the 2008 crash was nothing to shake your head at. Um, so been through it. You were on the banking side. Kind of what do you see for the economy today? What do you see for housing prices for even on the commercial side for real estate? Um, what 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 from your crystal ball, what do you think? What do you see things doing? <laughs> I see the same thing happening that happened in 2008. It looks the hmm. exact same as far as the timeline, especially when you look at stock markets, when you look at charts. I think it's gonna be a two-year uh period before we bottom out. Because if you think back in 2008. The recession started, but when 2012 hit, real estate prices were almost near the bottom. Mm-hmm. So I was looking at a property in Orlando. I used to live in Orlando. And so there was property that was like 220 grand. And then by the time 2012 hit, that property was worth $50,000. Wow. 
So wow. I think we're going back to a, I don't want to say that low, but we're going to go back to some extremely lows in real estate. Huh? Yeah. I've heard it from both sides. Um, you know, a lot of people have the perspective that the economy, the issues that we were running into in uh, back then in 2008 are not present in today's economy with the uh, subprime loans and all that stuff. Um, and so I've heard that they don't see this recession being as bad. I've also heard that, you know, we're in for a, a wild ride. <laughs> um, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to claim <laughs> to be a, a great economist here, but we'll we'll definitely see. Um, and you have since, you know, since getting into real estate, you've kind of focused on remote investing. That's kind of, it sounds like that is your uh, your specialty. Um, so when did you transition into remote? Did you buy your first your first property in the location that you were living in, or has it always been remote properties? I've never flipped a property in the same location that I've lived in the oh, entire wow. time. Okay. And so again, like if you live in LA, you know, you can buy a house. I don't know if you know LA, but you know, you got South Central and other parts of the, you know, watch or different areas where a two bedroom, one bath is like six hundred thousand dollars, right? Jeez. Yeah, you know what you can do with six hundred grand in the Midwest and in the South. So it just made more sense to take that money and go invest it in a state like Georgia, uh, Vegas. You know, Vegas just got expensive, but Vegas used to be super cheap. Mm -hmm. So you go to South Carolina and things like that, and then your profit margin is pretty good. It's almost the same, but it obviously, it's not because the values of the properties aren't as extreme. But you're also putting less money out. So yep. most of my, if not all of them, were in the South and kind of like the the Midwest. Gotcha. And how did you, I mean, take us back to the beginning. How did you get started remote? Um, did you, did you do off-market marketing? Were you going through brokers? How'd you find your deals? Well, it's interesting. When I got into real estate, I got into it with one of my friends. I was working at, in banking and he was working at like AT&T. Mm. And so we just, you know, seen some kind of program that came across talking about real estate investing. So mm -hmm, we bought the program, mm -hmm. went through the training. He ended up saying, I think I'm going to become an agent. I said, that's a good idea because I'm not, right? And so <laughs> you're going to have the ins and outs of the real estate agent side, and then I'll just be on the banking side or on the investment side. And so through him, he became an agent. So then he would get properties coming to him. So he would find a lot of good deals as an agent. And he knew what to look for because we went through an investment class. Mm, so we knew okay. the kind of properties to filter out on the MLS. Gotcha. So that's how we got most of our properties starting out. Oh, through the MLS because you had access. That makes sense. Correct. And then we uh, learn how to bird dog and, you know, find deals through marketing. And that's kind of where the really, the, when we started making a lot more money, we were doing pre-foreclosures. Mm. And that was through doing like five, 600 mailers a month and things like that. Okay. So mailers, that's your big, uh, your big marketing source there. Yes. Mailers and door knocking. And oh, sometimes wow. we'll do some phone calls, but I think mailers work the best, depending on when you find the person and what uh, position they're in. Yeah. What about for you? Right? Uh yeah, mailers. You know, I, I I give a lot of respect to people who can uh, do door knocking. <laughs> I tried it just very briefly, and man, it's it takes some guts to it's go tough. up there and start knocking knocking on doors. Um, <sighs> yeah, when I first got started out, I I tried everything, man. I did the uh, um, those bandit signs. I yep. did mailers. I did you know you name it. I did it. Bandit signs. I feel like are a complete waste. I took a course Correct. too, and they told me to do bandit signs, and I now never suggest doing uh, bandit signs. <laughs> I think I did a bandit sign once. And like you said, it was a waste. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but now I'm, you know, I'm on the commercial side. So we do, uh, we do mostly calls. We do a lot of cold calls um, to get, Correct. get in contact with, uh, with owners. Um, so you guys, you did a lot of mailers and uh, that's kind of how you got your leads. Um, were you, I know you're in multifamily now. How long did it take you to transition from 
you know, the single family doing bird dogs, wholesales, uh, flips into multifamily? I think maybe four years. I think we, we still do, we still do single families. Right. I think mm-hmm. because I think where the, wherever the, uh, the margins make sense. Yeah. That's kind of how I look at it. So you never turn a deal down if the numbers are good. So yeah. multifamily, single family, uh, even if you can get it into, into an apartment complex, right. If the numbers look good, then you will figure out a way to get the funding for it, whether it be through syndication or, you know, hard money loans. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I know you're, uh, you're doing this call from Mexico, so you are definitely, you know, living out the remote dream here. Um, <laughs> how are you, how do you structure your team to do the, uh, the, you know, remote closings, find the deals, all that stuff? Well, it's interesting because we talked about, you know, I'm the CEO of InvestFAR and on the InvestFAR app, we have all of those tools for you to be able to do remote closings, do virtual inspections, do um, anything you can think of as far as due diligence from a, a closing standpoint, you can do it on InvestFAR. So that's why before I even came up with the concept of the app, I was closing everything remotely through either a mail away or through um, using like a power of attorney for someone that I knew locally. But okay. now we can bridge the gap with the technology that we have on InvestFAR. Nice. So you can close from anywhere, you know? Yeah. Why don't you uh, give me give me a little rundown of InvestFAR? We didn't really talk too much before we hopped on the podcast. So tell me, what is the app? What is the goal? Who does it um, Who does it serve? All that stuff. You know what? InvestFAR is for anybody trying to get into real estate. You know, even for beginners, we just recently added advisory services. So if you have no idea about investing, you can go on the app and schedule an appointment with one of our advisors and we can go through different deals on you know deal structuring, uh, financing, anything like that. So I, the app to me is for anybody who's travels. So I'm in Cancun right now, but I can look at properties in Medellin or Europe or in the states. And if you need to close on those, you just go onto the app, go to the due diligence services, and then you pick out whatever service you need to be able to close. And so we also have a social media component to it, like a stories feature. So people can go on there and showcase their fix and flip. You know, everybody wants to do something like a fix or flop, right? Everybody wants to have their own their own thing. So on InvestFAR, we give people the option to be able to show pretty much the world what they're working on. So I think that's, oh, that's a cool, cool component to the app. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, you just mentioned Medellin, Medellin and a couple of international cities. Do you guys do international investing? Yeah, for sure. We have a, a uh, office in Medellin. That's where I just came back from. Okay. I think before we talked, that's where I was going. Okay. And so we're in the process now of finding a bunch of properties. We even have them on the app right now. So we have a team there that focuses on finding properties that are super low cost. I mean, you can get a penthouse, three bedroom, three bathroom for like 175000 with a gym, wow. with a rooftop pool, all of, like all the bells and whistles. So I think eventually people are going to start going abroad because you can't really afford to buy a home in the States right now. So if you can mm-hmm. buy something and rent it out, put it on Airbnb and we get not there. I mean, that's, that's a game changer. Man, Cause everybody um, wants to get into investing and bring in an additional income stream. So, Hey. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And we, uh, we should have started the podcast with that because I have actually <laughs> been super interested in investing internationally. Um, there's just so many questions, you know, things that I don't know, mm-hmm. um, especially when it comes to, you know, Mexico is just right below us. There's a lot of Correct. good uh, opportunities out there. Um, what are the, you know, some big hoops that people, if you haven't done international investing before, what are the things that would pop up for somebody like me, you know, never, never invested outside of the U S um, what are the things that I would need to know going into it? Well, again, I think the good thing about InvestFAR is we can help make that process easy, right? We can, at least in 
managing Columbia. We can do that because we already have people in place like attorneys, uh, being able to help you open a bank account, things like that. So that's kind of already done. But if someone was trying to do it on their own, you definitely need to know what zone you're in because that's a huge factor in are you buying the property to live in as a vacation home or are you trying to like put it on Airbnb? I think that's another thing you got to figure out. But getting the money into the country is probably one of the hardest parts really? that I think you would have to figure out because at least in Colombia, it is a process that you have to huh. go through. And it's it's almost a challenge to get a bank account open. Huh. I think when I try to get my account open, it took at least two weeks. And then you go to, you know, you go see the one bank, like you're in the States and you go to Wells Fargo. If you go to another Wells Fargo, it's probably going to be the same information. Right. But not in Columbia. You can sit next to, two people can be sitting next to each other and you'll get a different answer. Huh. So I think the process of like getting, navigating the um, financial system and then knowing the zone that you're in and then figuring out what type of properties that people that go to that country like to stay in. So when you mm. do get it and if you're not there, how can you make money from it? Versus it just, you know, coming out of your pocket every month. Yep. And how about um, internet or property management? I feel like that any property that I got, that I get, that is uh, what kind of makes or breaks the deal is having good property management in place. Um, how do you go about finding, you know, solid property manage- managers to help you with your international properties? Well, you, again, if you have a team, we have a team there, they can go and facilitate that. So I think that part you can do just by going there because what I've seen, a lot of people love to work. They love working on small jobs or any kind of job in Latin America. They just love to work. So I think it'd be easy for you to go there and um, or even look it up online. Like, hey, you know, what service is this? They'll, you know, they'll and the cost of it is not going to be that expensive either. Mm. So property manager, probably the the least of your worries when it comes to something abroad. Hmm. But as far as in, like I said, as far as managing Colombia, I can speak to that because there's a lot of properties that we do get that have the whole thing completed. You can buy a property there. It'll have the property management included. Um, it'll have a calendar for you to schedule the time that you're going to be there. And when you're not hmm. there, it comes off. You don't have to do anything. It has a cleaning. It's fully very furnished. Turnkey, yeah. It's very turnkey. So I think ideally that's what someone should do in the beginning. And then once they do that, then you can start to figure out, go out and start looking for your own property because it's obviously going to be less cheaper. Mm-hmm. But in the beginning, if you can get a property for hundred grand that's already cash flowing, go that route first. And then say, hey, all right, I got this one under my belt. From that experience of that first one within that first year, you will know the city, you will know the people, you will know the community. And then you can go out there and start finding those properties that you can do on your own. Yeah. And this might be a, a really dumb question to ask, but I'm going to ask it anyways. Um, I'm assuming you have to find a local bank to lend. You can't find a U.S. bank to to lend on an international property. The funny thing is you can't even lend. You can't get a loan. You have to pay cash. Oh, interesting. There are no loans no, available. Either you get married to someone in the country, and then you'd have to put 50% down. But for the most part, almost everyone pays cash for their homes. And that's huh. why their whole entire family or like multiple people multiple people live in the house. Interesting. Okay. Yep. I don't think people go. know that. I, someone else asked me that question. And I'm like, man, you can't get a loan. <laughs> it's, not, it's not happening. It's not going for you. <laughs> it's not happening. Um, do you speak Spanish? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm okay, not that's... like super fluent but i'm 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 close right yeah that was gonna be my next question is how how big of a barrier is um you know language when you're working in a country that doesn't speak english natively the language barrier is tough 
I'm happy that I do speak enough and understand. I understand a lot more than I speak, mm-hmm. but most of the time people are super friendly. So you can pull out a translator and it's ah. not going to be a big deal, right? E- even them, they'll pull up a translator on their phone and help you out at the same time. Yep. So yep. that's like that. the least of your worries. I absolutely love the Google Translate app. I speak Spanish, you know, decently well, but um, we own a mobile home park that it's pretty much 100% Latin American um, uh-huh. or, or Mexican uh, people that stay there. And I use the Google app all the time. It's so yep. it's clutch. Get the button conversation. Boom. <laughs> Done. <laughs> all right. I, uh, I took a peek at the clock. We have gone through our time. So I got to move us on to the quick question round. Are you ready? Let's do it. Let's do it. Starts with books. I'm a big bookie or any form of education. So give me two recommendations, one for general life wisdom and one for real estate specific. Of course, I have to call my book out, The Real Estate Investing Diet. It just came out August 2nd. So I definitely think anybody from a novice to an expert investor should pick that book up because it goes through a lot of different things as far as mindset. Because as you know, you have to have the right mindset to get into real estate because your mm-hmm. first deal might not come for a long time. So you have to be able to stomach that 300 or a $30,000 loss or the, you know, you know how real estate is. Every oh, deal is yeah. not perfect. So I think that book really helps out with um, a lot of that mindset um, accountability. It gives you different strategies on what to do when you're first starting out social media strategies, all that kind of stuff like that. And then I would say the science of gritting rich. Okay. That is uh, that the Napoleon Hill. Hill, right? Yeah. Correct. Okay. I think that book is a game changer because once you read it, I think it helps you identify your purpose. And once you figure out what your purpose is, then you kind of know how to navigate throughout life because without that, you're just out here. And so I think once people find that purpose, then they know what they're um, supposed to be doing here. And so there's laser focus until they get to that point. And so that book for me is kind of what did it. Yep. Yeah. It, uh, mindset really is so crucial um you know in any business really but in real estate specific just because it takes so long to get that first deal done so and long. you just got to you got to just slog it out man it's a it's a rough <laughs> it's, and it's like people think they're going to get in there and they're going to get that deal in like 3 months they're going to make $200,000 and it's like no most yeah. people take 2 years to get their first deal right it takes yep. a while no, and yeah, then from that you get the money then it kind of steamrolls but at least it's going to be a minute before that first deal hits yeah. Yeah, definitely. You got to you gotta cut your teeth for sure. <laughs> and right. even longer if you try to get into commercial real estate, right? Yeah. Yeah. I love commercial. I, I think uh, people should start in commercial if they, if they really want to be in investing. Um, honestly, I think it's easier than single family just because single family, there's so many, I don't know, it, it can be, it can be a headache, but, um, but yeah, I'm going to move us on. We are on to the next question. This is for your younger self. So if you could go to the Andre who had no experience in real estate, let's say he was just getting in as a banker right before the crash in 2008, go to him, look him in the eye, give him one piece of advice moving forward. I would say learn as much as possible about economics. Hmm. Because once you understand economics as a whole, then you know exactly how to navigate. You can predict certain things from happening. I predict certain things coming. So I think it just makes your overall better investor, whether it be stocks, but definitely in real estate. And so I think learning economics and learning, just learn as much as you can about any industry you're trying to get into, but specifically real estate. Yep. Yeah. yeah um, understanding macroeconomics is definitely something that I, uh, that is useful and I need to, Correct. I need to increase my chops there. Um, <laughs> so maybe you can help me out. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, this is for, 
Lost it. There we go. The Usually I say the United States, it's a big place to invest. So what is your favorite area? But I'm going to say the world because you are an international investor. So give me one metro in the world that you are most excited about investing in today. I Again, I got to go in Medellin, Colombia, just because the cost of living, right? The ability to have a certain lifestyle and then the cost of our property. And I think the location of where it is in the next in the growth is insane. Like they're building so many properties. And I think the next 10 or 15 years from now, it'll be like Barcelona. Oh, wow. Like, I think the Olympics are coming because even the global economic forum just opened an office in Medellin. So there are different things happening in that city. And so I think the stigma that came from Pablo, Pablo Escobar, Escobar years ago <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and Narcos on Netflix, I think that's starting to fade because now after the pandemic, I mean, there's like so many foreigners in that city and so i think it's a great opportunity to get in there when the tourism is just now starting mm. so it's gonna it's gonna skyrocket that is a coastal city isn't it no it it's only about a two-hour uh plane ride to the coast it's right in it's central but the weather's oh, great okay. yeah, yeah, yeah the weather's okay. like the it's called the city of eternal spring because the weather's good all year round ah, except for terrific. like maybe a month or two when it rains but other than that <laughs> hey man i can deal with that uh that that was actually going to be my um my comment there was the only real, you know, connection I have with Medellin is that Pablo Escobar show. So I was gonna... which most people do, and so they're like, "Can I go there? Is it okay? Am I gonna die? No, you're not gonna die." It's, you're <laughs> it's right. good. You're that happened in there. the '80s, right? So it's a it's long, long time ago. All right, moving on. This one is for your business. Businesses are run by tools. So give me one tool, software tool, whatever um, that your business could not live without. Ooh, that's tough. Um, I would say HubSpot. I think HubSpot is like a great CRM. And it does kind of everything you need is from email marketing, um, to being able to, you know, basically a, a good database for holding information. So, you know, it's CRM. Have you ever used a HubSpot? But you know how CRMs work, right? Yeah, so, I use Monday. I've heard good things about Hub, HubSpot, but um, my my CRM is Monday. Okay. I have to take a look at that. Yep. All right. And this is the very last question. This one is for the listeners. You've given us a lot of good advice. I'm sure people want to reach out, learn how to invest in Medellin, um, learn about <laughs> your book. So what is the best way for somebody to get in contact with you? I would say go to andrestewartauthor.com. And that website has pretty much everything about the book. It has information. On, I have a podcast called Investing Uncensored, which I give a lot of information. So you have that. And then you have the InvestFar website that's linked there. So that that pretty much covers everything on that website. Perfect. That is understuartauthor.com. I'll put that in the show notes along with investfar.com. So just click the little more in the description. It'll pull down the full description. In there, you can find Andre's <laughs> URLs. All right, Andre, that wraps it up. Thank you very much for hopping on the show. Thank you, man. It was great. Absolutely. For everybody who's here with us today, thank you guys for showing up. You are the reason we do this. So if you guys have any questions whatsoever, reach out to me, Gabe with realestateinvestingclub.com. Other than that, hope you guys have a great week. Keep rocking real estate and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. All right. Before I officially sign off, I have a quick announcement to make. If you're interested in becoming a passive investor in one of my deals, my own company, Kaizen Properties, is looking for capital partners for our upcoming projects. We invest in what are known as recession-resistant assets, mainly self-storage facilities, mobile home and RV parks, and industrial properties. If you're interested in investing and would like to learn a little bit more about my company, our investing criteria, and some of the previous projects we've done, 
go to the Real Estate Investing Club podcast at therealestateinvestingclub.com and scroll all the way down to the bottom of the page. Click on the Invest With Us button. That'll pop up the investor form. Fill that out and we will reach back out to you as soon as we can. Or if you prefer a little bit more of a personal touch, you can reach out to me at gabe at therealestateinvestingclub.com. So really, that is it. Again, it was a pleasure hanging out with you guys during this episode, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode.